welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls. Hello and welcome back to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. I'm your host, Emily, and I'm so thrilled to have you joining me here today. For episode 31, we are joined by Jenny Kassan, who is a securities lawyer and capital raising coach. And before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you of two things. Please, we love when you share our episodes. If you get value from this, please pass it along to a friend or tag us on social media at our Gorongosa. And I want to make sure everyone listening takes advantage of our 15% off offer with code podcast to get your hands on your first order of our Gorongosa specialty coffee. And remember, when you're drinking this delicious coffee, you're also supporting with 100% of profits going to the Gorongosa project in Mozambique. Okay, let's get to it. Episode 31. We are speaking to Jenny, who is an attorney, investor, and capital raising coach who teaches mission-driven entrepreneurs how to fundraise without selling their soul. Jenny believes entrepreneurs are heroes and wants to help as many as possible turn their world-changing visions into reality. This episode was so insightful, and I just loved hearing from Jenny how she's taking her over 25 years of experience in securities law and this passion she has for shifting investment dollars from Wall Street to Main Street by really helping her clients raise millions of dollars from investors whose values align with their own, which is so key. So in this episode, you'll learn what led Jenny into her current roles as a securities lawyer and capital raising coach. We talk about why venture capital model isn't a fit for everyone how to fund your business without selling your soul. And lastly, we talked about how anyone can use their investment dollars, yes, even you, to build a more equitable, just, and sustainable economy. I loved this conversation, and I hope you love this episode too. Let's get to it. Here's episode 31 featuring Jenny Kassan. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So we're not going to waste any time. We are going to jump right on in. And I would love to hear from you. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Oh, gosh. What am I most grateful for? I would say that I get to do what I absolutely love doing. I love every minute of my day, really. I'm I'm one of those rare people who has found work that absolutely inspires me and I love doing. That's incredible. I'm one of those people too. I love my work. So we're lucky for sure. <laughs> yes. What inspires you daily? So what are some of the things that you draw inspiration from? Definitely my clients. So I get to work with amazing social entrepreneurs who are creating businesses, ventures, organizations that are making amazing change in the world. 
and um, doing it while also making it financially sustainable. Oh my God, my cat. <laughs> Did you hear? Okay. It's Just all right. Over. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> usually they're usually quiet. Okay. What inspires me? So what really inspires me every day is seeing my clients uh, do the amazing work they do in the world. They are all change agents, uh, social entrepreneurs, each one with a mission to make the world a better place in some way. That is absolutely inspiring. So that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) What advice would you give your younger self? To uh, be more bold and not be shy about speaking out about my beliefs. Yes. And that is such a great one. A common thread on this question lately has been, it reminds me of this, it's kind of caring less about what other people think. And I think that ties in. It's that same idea. Uh, Because I think the more you go on in your life, the more experiences you have, you realize that you might as well do what makes you happy and what stays true to your values because no one else is really caring what you're doing anyway. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. That is the biggest lesson I wish I could tell my younger self. Yes. (laughs) What's one mantra you like to live your life by? Uh, it really staying in integrity. So to me, that means, you know, really staying true to what I believe is right and what feels good to me. So not pushing myself to do things that don't feel right to me. Cause I just know that when I'm doing the things that feel right to me and feel good to me, I'm making the best impact I can make. When I'm trying to push myself to do things I don't love doing, I lose energy. I, you know, get burnt out. (laughs) So just trying to live in integrity with what feels right to me. Mm, Yes. So that's not really a mantra, but (laughs) I try to make it more short when I say it as a mantra. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of just like checking in always does this align with my values and what I want for my life. And if it's a no, then it's a no, thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for summarizing that. (laughs) People often say that like, Oh, wow. You really summarized that. I said, yes, that's one of my talents. And that's why this is the type of work that I do. (laughs) I can distill a lot of ideas and information. (laughs) Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far? Um, gosh, I did have, um, an illness a couple of years ago came right out of the blue. I had no idea I had cancer. Um, It was without any symptoms whatsoever. And um, it just completely threw me for a loop. I had been, you know, doing what I love, working really hard. And it just kind of forced me to learn how to ask for help and support. And so I know I had a team back then, but I've really grown my team and leaned into my team a lot more than I used to for support so that I can have more time to really take care of myself and have more balance and live a healthier life. So I think there was a blessing in that um, because it it did kind of teach me how, when I didn't really have a choice, <laughs> it taught me how to, to not be so crazy with my... Uh, you know, constant working and trying to stay in control of everything. Wow. That is quite a journey that you went on, but I'm very 
glad that you were able to find some sort of silver lining because that's not always the case. I don't think sometimes that's just not the way it goes. So I'm glad you were able to get something out of that. But that must have been very, very challenging. I can only imagine. Yes. Well, luckily it's totally over now and I'm totally healthy. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. I would love to start by situating the listeners with your early career journey. So what did that look like, young Jenny? And what led you into your current roles as a securities lawyer and a capital raising coach? Yeah, I mean, it really was very serendipitous that I ended up doing what I do. So um, I, I went to law school kind of as that young person that wanted to make a difference in the world, but didn't really know how, you know, so law school seemed kind of like a, you know, a one way to maybe extend my time to figure that out. So went to law school and participated in a lot of social justice activities, ended up realizing I don't like to be so much in a litigation role, the conflict um, role. I liked, I more like to build positive things in the world. So I ended up going into community development, community economic development. And I ended up after law school going to get a master's degree in city planning with a focus on community development. And I worked at a nonprofit in Oakland, California, doing community economic development, which means I worked on a big real estate project with affordable housing and, you know, a a mixed use transit oriented development project that was really, you know, a positive thing in the community. And then also a lot of support for the small businesses in this low income community that we were focusing on and uh, even started a social enterprise to create jobs. And I really loved that work. But after 11 years, there was a change in leadership and I felt the need to move on. I was no longer super happy at that nonprofit. So I was introduced to a securities lawyer and I didn't even really know that much about securities law at the time, but I knew that it was an area of law that had a huge impact on the distribution of wealth in our country because it's all about who can get access to funding for their business. And there's such a huge disparity there. You know, the big giant multinational corporations have such easy access to funds. You know, they have more money than they know what to do with. Whereas the small businesses in our country are constantly struggling to just make it from day to day. And so I really liked this securities lawyer I met. And he, even though I had no experience in that area, he let me come on board and we co-founded a law firm together And our focus was helping social enterprises and small businesses raise money in ways that would allow them to stay true to their mission and their values and, you know, without selling their soul. And so we, we started doing that and back in 2006, and I learned everything I could about this area of law and I just fell in love with it. So after a while partnering with that lawyer, I ended up going off on my own in 2015 and just have just been felt so lucky to be doing this work. I get to work with the most inspiring small business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, change makers and help them get money. And it's, it's very mental, you know, intellectually stimulating and challenging and fun and 
Uh, and I feel like we're really building a movement because it's more than just helping my clients get the right legal documents or the right strategy. It's also about changing the world of finance to be more supportive of the diversity of businesses out there, not just the big giant multinational corporations. Right. Wow. That is so incredible. And I love, I just love hearing the journeys that people go through (laughs) coming to their kind of soul career. Cause I always find it, it seems to take people a few different goes, (laughs) but I think all these things that you had done in the past had of course led you to what you're doing now. And something that kind of stood out for me, and I know something that you're passionate about is helping people learn how to fund their business without selling their soul. (laughs) So I think there's this kind of common, I want to say misconception in the kind of finance or even venture capitalist world that it's very kind of dog eat dog and very intense. And I think there is that idea that in order to get a business off the ground, sometimes you need to concede more than you're willing to. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that from you. Yeah. It's it's a very intimidating world, the world of finance. It's very male-dominated. It's very dominated by people of privilege. And it's I know so many women and even a lot of men, honestly, who find it incredibly intimidating. They, you know, they don't even know how they would ever raise money from investors. It doesn't feel like even possible for them. But I just happen to, you know, fall into this world where I learned about ways that that can be done. And I even started doing it myself. So really what happened, my very first client that I really helped to raise money was ended up, it was a grocery store, <laughs> a highly mission-driven grocery store uh, in a low-income neighborhood. And the fact that that business was able to raise millions and millions of dollars, even though it was a high-risk business, very early stage you know, no promise of high returns. And yet they were able to raise millions and millions of dollars. It just made me realize what is possible when you are on a mission and you're doing good in the world and you're, you know, being really creative about finding the right investors. And then I ended up being so inspired by seeing my clients have success that I ended up raising money myself for my own business, which was a service business. It was a law firm. And I, you know, I was able to raise a few hundred thousand dollars for that. So I just, I never would have believed it if I hadn't seen it over and over and over that if you follow a strategy that in that is basically where you take charge, you create the offering, you decide what's right for you, and then you just go out and find the right investors, it is absolutely possible. I've seen it happen many, many times with such a diversity of businesses. And I've raised money now. I'm on my fifth time raising money myself. We've never given up. None of I nor my clients have never given up any control or changed our goals for our business or our values in order to get clients. I mean, sorry, in order to get investors. And it's just, it is possible. It's not, I wouldn't say easy. It is not easy always, but it is absolutely possible. There's a lot of money out there 
and it is controlled by people who really want to support things that they that are consistent with their values. Yes, I love that. And then on the flip side of things, I was curious to hear from you as well why in your work you've probably seen this as well, why the venture capital model isn't necessarily a fit for everyone. Yeah, I mean any venture capitalist would tell you that, you know, they're the venture capitalist capital model is very specific. It's for a very specific purpose. It's designed for a business that has the potential to grow huge and really dominate a market and do it quickly and, and, and have an exit, meaning that they sell the company to a larger company you know, or do an IPO uh, as quickly as possible. And so that is a very, very specific trajectory for a business that is very rare. You know, we could probably name based on, you know, being, you know, living in the United States, thinking about businesses that have done that, you know, it's not a lot. (laughs) They're household names, you know, like Facebook, Uber, you know, so there's no shame in saying that's not, what my business is about. And, you know, it's not, it doesn't mean that you don't have like a high growth potential business. It just means that you don't want to be on the path where you're really your number one focus has to be extremely fast growth, market domination, and then an exit. So I have many clients that are in tech and have the potential to grow really big, but they don't want venture capital money because they don't want to be pushed down that path. Right. That makes complete sense. So it's really about what is that long or short-term goal? And is it around getting your valuation up as much as possible and being able to sell? Or is it that you're really trying to kind of not hang on to this, but keep this business and see it through because then it, it sounds like venture capitalism is not going to be the way for you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't think that that speed of growth is healthy in general. I mean, for every now and then for a business, it does work, but venture capitalists will acknowledge that most of the businesses that they push to be on that path fail. Because when you try to grow that fast and that big, it pu- it often leads to failure. It's just not sustainable for most businesses. So, unfortunately, you know, even the most successful venture capital portfolios usually maybe one out of ten businesses actually succeeds with that model, and the rest are just sort of left to die. Which I don't think is is a healthy way to run an economy. Wow. It's it's wasteful. It's very wasteful of resources. That is shocking to me. I knew it wouldn't be high, but I didn't think it would be that, you know, larger percentage of companies that go that route and it doesn't work out. That is a lot. (laughs) I mean, that's actually it considered a success. If one or two out of 10 are are make it in terms of that model, that is considered a very successful portfolio, actually. Wow. Learn something new every day. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) So the last thing I wanted to ask you about before we get to the rapid fire round is I know you talked about in the beginning kind of how your original impetus for getting into law was to really be part of 
a force for good and kind of changing certain things in our society. And I would love to hear from you how anyone can really, so anyone who's listening can really use their investment dollars to build a more equitable, just and sustainable economy. How do we do that? I'm so glad you asked that because that is something that a lot of people feel sort of powerless about. We, to the extent we have money invested, it's often in our retirement accounts, or maybe it's in, you know, maybe it's not in our retirement accounts, but it's in a, it's in some kind of fund that is uh, managed maybe by a investment advisor. It's generally going to be in a mutual fund in public companies on the stock market. That's where most Americans' money is invested to the extent that Americans have money to invest, which I hate to say a huge majority, uh, not a majority, uh, a large minority uh, does not have any money invested at all. But we do have the power to take some of our investment portfolio, even if it is in a retirement account, and redirect it to direct investing outside of Wall Street, which it's not easy. You know, you have to find an investment advisor that will help you do it. If you are using an investment advisor, if you, if all your money is in a retirement account, you may need to get a self-directed retirement account. So the infrastructure for doing it isn't nearly, it's nowhere close to as easy to do, you know, as it is to invest in public companies, but um, it's very worthwhile doing, finding a way to do that. And we do have a group called Angels of Main Street, where we train people how to do that. And you don't have to be wealthy to do it. But we, what we really advise people to do is think about diversifying your investment portfolio somewhat out of Wall Street and into Main Street, into directly into businesses that you love and care about, because that is the best way to support what you want to see in the world. Having all of our investment dollars on Wall Street, which is 0.1% of the companies in our country, the giant multinational corporations that aren't necessarily doing a lot of good in the world, that's just really not going to lead to the change we want to see. So if you're using, if you have money that you're donating to charities, you know, keep doing that, but also think about having another pool of money that you invest in small business. And it's not necessarily as risky as some would say. Um, Small business doesn't have to be risky, especially if you're investing in a business that you already are maybe a customer of, you know, like maybe there's a childcare program or school where you take your kid and you already know that all the parents love this school well, guess what? It's probably going to su- survive, you know, through tough times. So maybe think right. about investing in that business. I love that idea. And I think it's something, again, that investing in general is a bit daunting for people. But I think when you kind of put it in perspective, that kind of the way you did, I think you did a really good job of putting it into perspective for me in, in saying that if you want to really support businesses in your community, which are a lot of them will be the small businesses. That is probably one of the best ways aside from being a customer, of course, because that is a way you can just directly support them. And I think I I just like the idea of understanding that it doesn't all have to 
go that kind of like typical classic route of like you were saying, being invested on Wall Street, being in just simply in a retirement portfolio, that kind of thing. So I think it's not as unapproachable as I think a lot of people might have thought. So I really like the way you put that. Yes. And I will say as a lawyer, I do have to say that there are some legal constraints on how, you know, securities law is all about these rules about how businesses are allowed to take in money from investors. So unfortunately, it's not as simple as I wish it were, but, you know, there's definitely ways to do it. And like I said, we do have programs both for investors and entrepreneurs to teach how to make it happen as, you know, as seamlessly and smoothly as possible. I love that. That is incredible. So before we get to the rapid fire round, I wanted to acknowledge you, Jenny, for the way that you are really kind of disrupting the entire investment and yeah, investment arena and just showing people that their money can be used as a force for good. I think it's really amazing. And I wanted to thank you also for being on the podcast today. Thank you. It's been fun. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Let's get to it. A book that's changed your life. Uh, Playing Big by Tara Moore, M-O-H-R. Oh, I don't even know that one. Very highly recommended. I hope everyone in your audience reads this book. It's for women about playing big. Okay. Adding to my list. Everyone else add as well. (laughs) Favorite place you've traveled? Guatemala. Amazing. What's a lesson you've learned recently? Mm, I've learned it many times, but I learned it again recently that investors can come from anywhere and they often come out of the blue from unexpected places. Hmm. I love that. And last one, name a woman who inspires you. I want to mention Hazel Henderson. Um, She is someone who just recently passed away. And when I was in college, I read her book called Politics of the Solar Age, and it completely changed my life. It was just this very radical view of our economy and how to create a more healthy, sustainable economy. And this was back in the early 90s. So not a lot of people were talking about that back then. And she has just had such an amazing career and I'm, she died, you know, relatively young and I'm, I'm really sad that she's gone. And so I highly recommend checking out her work, Hazel Henderson. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Thank you again so much, Jenny. I want to make sure everyone follows along and knows the best place to get in touch with you. So let us know where you like to hang out. Yeah. Well, I mean, my website is a great place. There's lots of free resources there and you can join our newsletter or we get, we send out a monthly newsletter. Uh, so that's jennycasson.com. We also do a weekly clubhouse. We have a podcast called Capital Insight. We have a YouTube channel. So lots and lots of places to find us. Amazing. Thank you again so much, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to OurGorongosa.com and find us on social at OurGorongosa.com.